Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bliss Report. It is Dr. Sashin. It is Finance Friday, and I hope that the day finds you well and truly in a good mindset space. It has been a great week. It's been a rough week in some ways for some people, and um, my apologies for not having an episode on Thursday, but hopefully you enjoyed the clips that were posted in lieu of actual full episode as there were some changes in the week that I did not foresee coming. And so I like to try to record these live. Um, and so that didn't get to happen on Thursday, but we're back. It's Friday morning. It's Finance Friday. And we're talking about some changes that are taking place in terms of the financial world. So it's going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge day talking about a few different things that I think are really important for those of us who are rebuilding our lives after 40, who are rebuilding our lives after a major life transition, or who are small business owners or even medium-sized business owners. But most importantly, for those of us who really just want to get the best quality of life that we can and have our money support that, this is the episode for you because there are some things that are that have come out um, that are in the ever-changing landscape of finance in the United States. And there's also a piece to this that I think is really important, even more so than the proposed changes, even more so than the proposed taxation issue. There's a mind piece here, a mind piece that I really want to talk about today and hopefully get us moving the needle forward on having conversations about why we should not be afraid of taxes, why it's imperative to stop spending your, allowing the government to spend your tax dollars all year long and then hoping for a big refund at the end of the year, um, and why by the one, why the wealthy 1% and I know somebody's going to snap back at me and bring it because I'm ready. But why the wealthy 1% who are actually only making for $100,000 a year. So I'm not talking about uber wealthy. I'm talking about a, a, a set of people whose tax burdens are low because of the tax write-offs that they take, but who pay taxes, who actually do pay taxes, but they don't pay more than they have to. So let's get into it. It is Friday morning. It is Dr. Sash. So whether you're catching me on the go, on the Peloton, in the gym, on your commute, or coffee, over tea, wherever you're headed, hopefully the day is finding you well. Thank you for tuning in. It is the Bliss Report. It's Dr. Sashin, and we'll be back after a word from our first sponsor. Hey, everybody, we are back. Okay, so there is some rumbles in the ether because there are some changes to how cash transactions will be reported to the government by bank. So right now, for those of you who do not know, if you use Zelle, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or any other Cash App service, okay, so Cash App is the name of a particular service, but it's also a category of services, uh, of, or of, um, yeah, of services that are offered by banks and other standalone entities. So Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, Zelle, uh, WhatsApp, places where Facebook, places where you can trade money or send money for a transaction or service, okay? Those are all cash apps. Those cash apps don't have to get reported to the government if they don't breach $600. Actually, it's even less, it's even more than that. It used to be if they didn't breach um, 20, yeah, $20,000 in income and more than 200 transactions. And so most folks are not getting that kind of money coming through a cash app. And if you are getting that kind of money coming through a cash app, well, I, I get that it is um, uh, an advantageous way of getting money quickly. What I don't think you understand is that it's it's you still have to pay taxes on that <laughs> because at that moment you hit 20k or 200 transactions via a cash app 
then who, wherever you've you've received that money is going to issue you what's called a 1099k. And you already know this if you if you're doing that kind of business. Also, if you're doing the kind of business where you're receiving tens of thousands of dollars, you don't need to be doing cash. You need to be you need to have that money being sent to a, another kind of service. And I actually would take PayPal out of this uh, and Stripe out of this because those are services where I think you are getting a little more legitimacy with how you receive your money. Um, but you know, there's, there are things called banks for a reason. I know people have issues with banks, but there are things called banks for a reason. And there are ways to have your money working for you while you're earning it and not just, you know, in some ways, and this is no slight to anyone, but in some ways, cash apps like this, uh, the Zells, the Venmos, in some ways, the PayPal's, the things, um, things of that nature, it's kind of like shoving, shoving money in a mattress. And if you're making thousands of dollars and you're shoving that money in a mattress, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So, the old proposal or the old rule was that if you had $20,000 coming in or and or 200 transactions in the particular app, then the 1099K was issued and the IRS came knocking and said, hey, hello, you owe us some cash. You owe us some fundage and hopefully you had all your receipts so you can get all of your deductions. Um, just made a mental note to myself because I have some receipts I need to get together. Um. So you have all your deductions and you don't end up paying on that full 20K, but it gets reported. Everyone goes on about their business. Not a big deal. Under the 20K amount, a lot of money would flow. And the government's position or the IRS's position or whoever's position this is, is that a lot of little amounts of money. So let's say you are $19,999.99. Well, you're underneath the reporting. <laughs> um, and so the idea is to catch people who are using this kind of grace of 20k to move large sums of money in small increments and thereby avoid paying taxes on it that's fantastic in, in a theoretical sense but in a practical sense the new law change okay so what's the new proposal the new proposal is that if you have six hundred dollars so we've gone from twenty thousand dollars to six hundred dollars then that $600 will now be reported to the IRS. And that is the income level that which, or the, the transaction level at which you will then be issued um, a, 90, a 1099K. And that becomes taxable. Now let's think about this. This is a huge change, a huge, huge sea change here. So if you get $600 and you are a small business, if you get $601 in a transaction, let's say you, you have a service that, pays you $600 for the service. You have a client and you have a service and that service is $600 or $650 or $612 or whatever. Um, then you're going to be taxed on the $612. Over the $600 limit, you get taxed. So I guess in theory, you uh, that transaction becomes a piece of taxable income. It's not going to catch the people that, at least I feel, it's not going to catch the people that they're purporting to go after because the 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 idea that somehow people who are really good at not paying taxes and, and getting on the system are not, are, are going to somehow get caught because the amount went from 20000 to 600 is ridiculous. Small micro, micro loans, small, small micro amounts of money move billions of dollars every single day. We know this because small incremental micro loans are made all the time. You can go through many organizations and become a lender and loan someone $50 to $100 over and over and over again. That's a micro loan. And then you get paid back and you might make $125 off. So you might make a $25 in, uh, uh, profit off the $100 that you loan somebody else. That's a micro loan. Those kind of loans happen all day long. You're not going to catch people 
who do that and make really good money doing it. What you are going to catch are people like your local hairstylist or your local massage therapist or your esthetician or your dog groomer or your dog walker whose income may be mostly cash based it coming through apps because it's easier, whose tips may come through apps because it's easier and who carries cash these days anyway, really? I'm not sure when is the last time I looked at my wallet and saw cash. Um, but a lot of this is going to really grab up people whom don't have a lot of money and for whom that 600 that taxation now on top of the $600 that they just made is going to become a burden to them. Now, before you start yelling, everyone should pay taxes, everyone taxes, everyone should pay taxes. The people who are going to be most affected by this are already paying an inordinate amount of taxes. That's the problem. That's supposedly what the government's trying to prevent, which is people who are paying a crap ton of their income out in taxes, carrying an unfair burden of the tax burden um, already, because other people who are making way, way more are finding ways to get around the tax system. Okay, so this proposal is getting a lot of pushback. It's getting a lot of chatter. The IRS is having to answer a lot of questions. The banks are balking. All kinds of folks are balking because if you're a, a cash app, you start to, you're, I'm sure you're realizing, and from what I'm reading, they're realizing that it's going to be almost impossible to differentiate between friends and family transactions and business transactions. So let's say you're a hairstylist. You may have a thousand clients in a month who send you either for an entire, excuse me, (laughs) let me back up for a second. You may have clients sending you a couple hundred dollars a pop for a service either rendered in the salon or a tip on services rendered at the salon. And that tip, let's say you're getting any, I mean, women, first of all, hair, hair is so expensive. Number one. Number two, when you start adding the services on, your hair bill can go from $35 up to $2,000. It just depends on what you're having done. If you're like most people, most women, you tip your stylist and you tip according to the kind of work that they do. And if you have a good relationship with your stylist and you have a rapport and you've been going and you have a connection, chances are you tip a little better. You might tip 18 to 22 to 25% on whatever service that you have done. This is great, right? Your stylist is happy. You're happy. Everyone's happy. But if you have a $600 session and you start tipping 20 to 25% and that happens multiple times a week, multiple times a week, all of a sudden your stylist is going, well, shoot. Um, And this is a tip. This is not the service itself. You're just getting tipped on the service. So now those tips are starting to rack up. How is the IRS going to determine that the person whose name appears just because, you know, just their name. And if you have a cash app or a memo or whatever, then you know it's either your name or your phone number. How do you differentiate that that was a gift from a friend versus that was a business transaction? Well, the idea is, well, you use the memo section. I, I'm so curious to see how the data mining is going to handle this, that the data mining is going to be able to read all the memo sections of every transaction of every person who uses these services and say, friend, business, friend. I mean, it's just... The details and the way this would roll out are are fascinating and uh, feel like a bit of a train wreck waiting to happen. Okay, so what does this mean for you out there in listener land about your finances and what you want to think about? Well, number one, I'm going to go back to what I was saying at the beginning. If you have a small business, you're an entrepreneur, you get your your the bulk of your income via a cash app type service. Put your money in the bank. Start giving people access to putting money into 
a more secure place, whether that's a PayPal. And I know PayPal has issues, so please don't at me. I do understand that. But there are other things like PayPal or Stripe um, or I believe, you know, Zelle is not, I, again, Cash App is such a, a ubiquitous term that's being used to cover a lot of things. But putting your money in a bank and having your your clients pay you in certain ways might be more beneficial to you. I am not a check person, but I pay my rent via check and my, my landlord simply scans. Yes, I rent and don't own. Okay. My scans that into her phone and deposit deposit. We may go back to a check based system for that very reason. But the bottom line is the income that you're bringing in via any of these cash apps is going to at some point in time be comfortable. And I imagine that $600 threshold may go down to zero at some point and that every dime that comes through that cannot be accounted for as non-business is going to end up being taxable. What that means is you want to start thinking long term, like how do I want to receive the money for my organization, my business, my business, my entrepreneurship, my whatever, whatever, whatever. How do I want to receive this money in a way that allows me to maximize my usage of it and to um, also pay my tax burden. And when I say your tax burden, that's between you and your tax attorney. I am not going to get into how much your taxes should be or should not be, how much you should pay or should not pay. I'm just going to say this. If you own a business, you need to have someone look at your taxes to make sure you're getting the max amount of deductions that you can get for yourself. Okay, the maximum, not the minimum. You know what the minimum is? Standard deduction. That's the minimum. Okay, so if you own a business or you're a small business owner, if you're a freelancer, if you're a contractor, if you are an independent consultant and you don't have someone looking at your taxes and looking at every single possible place that you can get a deduction, you are leaving money on the table. And this is where I come back around to saying, stop letting the IRS spend your money <laughs> all year long with the hope that you get a big fat check at the end of the year. Okay, so many people overpay taxes all year long so that at the end of the year, or uh, in April, when they file, they see a big number come at, coming back to them. And what you've basically done, this was explained to me by several attorneys, what you've basically done is said, I'm going to overpay all year long and give the government interest-free use of my money. Interest-free use of my money. And in exchange for that, they're going to pay my base money back to me. None of the interest. They're not going to pay me any interest. They're not going to pay me a dividend. They're not going to pay me anything. They're just going to give my money back to me a year later with a thank you for letting us borrow it. Have a great day. If you took out a loan, which is in essence what the IRS is asking you to do, pay taxes and give us an additional $10 every time you pay so that we can use that $10 for something else. And at the end of the year, I'll give you your $10 back. Now, I might have made money on the $10 that you loaned me, but you're not going to see any interest payment on that $10. You're just going to get your $10 back. Thank you for playing. You would say, you are crazy. I am not doing that. And yet so many of us through the year will pay more in taxes than we will keep because we're afraid of a tax bill at the end of the year that we actually have to pay. Um, and full disclosure and transparency, because I am an unstoppable woman who understands the value of giving information. It is light years better to owe a little tax back to the IRS than to let them take your money, use it all year long, and then not give it back and then give you the bare minimum back. The bare minimum, because the cycle just keeps repeating, right? You still are spending more in taxes <laughs> all year long to get back a fraction of what you at the end of the year. Again, this is not tax advice. You need to see a tax attorney. You need to get some tax help. Make sure that you it's someone that you trust and who knows what the heck they're doing. All of the fly-by-night, 
credit repair people and tax repair people and blah, blah, blah. Get yourself a tax attorney who understands the law, who can keep up with the changes, who is transparent in their process. I have an exceptionally great tax person who I would recommend to anyone who called me. And in fact, I have. Um, and I have her because she knows she, she stays on top of it. <laughs> like she is 100% an amazing, amazing tax person. Okay. So I digress anyway. So you have to figure out how you're going to handle your taxes, understanding that if you take cash payments in a cash app format, that those cash payments may become part of how you're taxed starting next year, or it's actually starting December 31st, if it goes into effect this year. Two, two and a half months from now, this year. So it goes into effect on December 31st. Number one, there'll be no more minimum transaction, no more 200 transactions. And number two, the amount that they will report will be $600, $600. And that somehow there's gonna be this way to distinguish between personal transactions and business transactions, which I'm still not clear on. So I'll get back to you on that. Whew, that's a lot. That is a lot. But that's the, the legal legislative tax piece I want to cover. But there's a second piece to this that I really want to talk about for the remainder of our time together. It deals with our mindset around money, how it flows in our lives, and what we're supposed to do with it. It's here that I will break for a word from our second sponsor. I have the pleasure and the privilege of, sponsor, of uh, talking about my own book today because it goes live Today, Seven Steps to Financial Security is the ebook that you did not know you need. If you're a woman who, have, who has struggled with or has stopped struggling with money and you have, a, you have decided that it's time to take control of your finances, the first step on the road to financial freedom is financial security. It's getting your finances to a place where you feel secure enough with them that you can see the future and not just have to focus on the present. The Seven Steps to Financial Security is a 50-page ebook filled to the brim with, with tips, ideas, and worksheets that allow you to get a hand on your finances, think about the future, implement incrementally steps that will get you to the goal that you have set for yourself, and allow you to breathe freely into the idea that not only will you be safe in the moment, you're going to secure your future and the future of your children. It is available only as an ebook. It is on sale this week for 20 or excuse me, it is on sale this weekend only for $27.77. The price goes up on Monday to $47. But for this weekend only, for listeners to the podcast, because I'm not advertising it to many other places, for listeners to the podcast who follow me on Instagram or Facebook, the price is $27.77. One reader said just today that this book has helped her realize that she can take incremental steps towards her retirement and do things that she didn't think she could do. She feels much more secure in knowing that she will be financially secure in her future. So pick up the seven steps to financial security. The link will be in the show notes of the podcast and it's also available in the bio if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram. Again, seven steps to financial security available this week only for $27.77. The price goes up on Monday. Okay, so let's talk about the idea of the tax mindset. Part of what I think happens is that when cash apps and Venmos and, and PayPal first came on the scene, people were like, oh, I can, I, this is a great way that I can get some money. We can exchange money. And I love these things. Okay. So please don't get me wrong. I love, I love all of these app services that allow me to send money without having to do things like wire transfer and all oh, just so many pieces of paper that one has to do. Um, and to be fair, when I deal in big money amounts, big when I'm talking about things over a thousand dollars, I do wire transfer. I do, um, uh, d yeah. So 
yeah, a bank to bank transfer because big money amounts, you just you can't really put that through a cash app. But I digress. So this was a great way to send small amounts of money. Over time, it's become, okay, this is a way that I can send money, receive money and not have to really worry about the tax man and come a knocking. And this is not an advocation for the tax man. The tax man can go get his own. He don't need me to advocate for him. So I'm not going to go there. But what I want to talk to you about is the mindset that we get into that the best we can do for ourselves is to, is to find a way to get around something that, that we don't like, or we don't think is fair. We just, we just want to get around the system. We want to get, we want to game the system. And when it comes to the money mindset, you have to think about it's like how much time do you spend trying to figure out ways to not make more money and just keep a little bit of money that you have? How much time, effort, and energy is spent by so many of us just trying to figure out how to hang on to a dollar as opposed to saying, how do I multiply a dollar into $4 so that if the tax man comes along and takes one or even one and a half, I still have two and three quarter dollars. So whatever, take your dollar and a half. I don't care. Instead of trying to figure out how to get around new proposals by the IRS, which again, consult your tax person because do I think you should pay every single thing? Heck no, but I am not a tax person. I am not speaking as a financial authority. So please do not add. Um, but instead of trying to figure out ways to be, instead of people getting so mad at this system that they're going to be taxed on this amount, we have to think smarter about the money they're either bringing in and the money that we are are earning earnings a bad word but we have to think smarter about our money again back to the analogy if you have a dollar that you're holding on to so tightly when someone comes and says i need a quarter you're like no that only leaves me 75 cents i need to keep this you can have a nickel or you can have a penny but you cannot have a quarter instead of saying take the quarter Heck, take 50 cents. You know why? Because out of that dollar, I got three more behind it. I got three more behind it. And you might say, but what if they take, they want to take half of those dollars? Well, okay, so you, so here you are, you have $5 and now there, someone says, I want two and a half of those dollars so that you only get two and a half. That's where you consult your tax attorney. But what you don't do is start to go, I'm going to hold on to every single dollar. You don't get into the mindset that says, what I need to do is hide in my mattress so that nobody can take my money from me. That's not live. That's not living. That's ducking and dodging all day long, hoping that someone doesn't come along and set your mattress on fire. Instead of going, you you want two and a half of my dollar? Fine. I know that there are ways I can make you only get two of my dollars and I can make more money in the process. Changing your mind about how the money that you earn or bring in is, is then turned around and sent back out. Deciding that you are the master of the money and the money is not the master of you. Because when you're tucking the money in the mattress mentality, the tucking the money in the mattress mentality means that money has a mastery over you. It means that money has money is is riding you like a horse instead of you riding money like a horse. Money is just a tool. The government just needs a tool to go build some bridges. You need some tools to go pay your rent, pay your mortgage, buy a car, buy some stuff, take a vacation, put your kid through school, get your hair done, get your nails, buy some clothes, buy some food. You just need some tools, right? So why don't you just decide that you're just going to go make better tools? And when the government knocks on your door and says, hey, 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 you got some better tools in there. We'd like we'd like some, some better tools over here too, if you don't mind. You can say, great, contact my tax attorney. He'll let you know, or she'll let you, excuse me, because mine's a woman. She'll let you know exactly how much, of the, how much I can help you with your tools. But I'm going to keep on over here increasing my tool shed because I need these tools as well. So we're going to have to share these tools. And since I'm working for the tools, I'm going to make more, more of them to benefit my life. And by extension, I'll help you. 
And then it's a symbiotic relationship. I am definitely not advocating for the tax man here. I'm advocating for you changing your mind that about how money flows, okay? Money flows in the society. It flows and allows us all to benefit. If you want money to flow towards you in greater and increasing quantities, then create things that bring in more money. Don't nickel and dime the tax man. That's a whole, that's a scarcity mindset versus a belief that I, you know what, you want 75 cents? Fine, I'm gonna go earn $3. Here's your 75 cents. Take it and go away, right? Like that's a whole different mindset than you want 75 cents? I only have $3. If you take 75 cents, I only have $2.25 left. Now I gotta hold on to this because you might come and take another 25 cents. No, you want 75 cents? Fine, I'm gonna go over here and make three more dollars. More dollars. How you like me now? Getting to the place where you say to yourself, it is not worth my time to nickel and dime over five, 5, 10, 15 cents when I can just go earn 10, 20, 30 extra dollars. Freeze you up from needing to worry about if Zelle, Venmo, Cash App, or whatnot starts trying to tax you on an amount like $600. It frees you up from worrying about that and allows you to focus on, okay, if that's the case, I'm going to make sure that the money that I bring in is of such amounts that that doesn't bother me not gonna bother me. And I'm going to get a person on my team that makes sure that I don't get taxed any more than I need to. And I'm going to stop worrying about whether or not Uncle Sam takes all my money all year long as a free loan. And I'm going to make sure that my money's working for me, as opposed to me just working for it. This change in rule is an opportunity for all of us to level up how we think about money and to level up how we use money and to level up how we allow money to be used that we worked and earned. Okay, so how are you going to receive this information today? What is it that you're going to do that will allow you to look at what's coming in 2022? Because the laws are changing, y'all. How are you going to use what's coming in 2022 in a way that benefits you instead of in a way that scares you? Because you don't need to be afraid of the change, but you do need to do something about the information. So many people will sit on their couch and yell at the TV or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp about what the government is doing to them with their taxes. And only a fraction of you will get up off the couch, say, I'm going to go talk to a tax person about what my finances look like and how I can make this not impact me so that my money's working for me better. Not enough of you will say, okay, maybe I need to start investing my funds into vehicles so that if money's coming in, <laughs> but it goes straight into an investment, it doesn't get taxed. So many of you won't sit down with your checkbook and go, how can I, okay, so if I'm getting money from this place and this place and this place and this place, all of these places are now going to become taxable incomes. How can I streamline this and again, bring in more income to offset this, look at my deduction so that I don't have to pay as much in taxes anyway, and make this work for me, make this work for for me, not battle against it like children with our fists against the wall, yelling at a parent who's not going to say yes, who's still going to say no, you can't have that, period. So I urge you today to not take the idea lying down that somehow you have to just accept the finances in your life the way they are. Regardless of IRS rule changes or anything else, if the money that you have coming in is going to be um, is leading you to a, a feeling of scarcity or a feeling like you've got to hold on to a dime until you squeeze out a penny, then you're living in scarcity and that's how you're going to live in scarcity. We don't have to do that. What we do have to do is get information, get informed, and be inspired to do things that allow us to live better, to make better decisions, and to free ourselves from needing to worry about things like 
$600 rule changes. All right, everybody, that's it. Ooh, I had a lot to say. It's 30 minutes though. I'm getting, I'm doing good at this. This has been Dr. Sasheen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Finance Friday. I greatly appreciate it. Again, Seven Steps to Financial Security is out and available today for $27.77. The price goes up to $47 on Monday. No, <laughs> completely on Monday. It goes up to $47. Chock full of ways that you can start thinking about money, changing your mindset, getting yourself on track for the life that you want to see for the next 10, 20, 30 years. It has been my pleasure to serve you. Have a great weekend, everyone, and I will see you on Monday.